title it, which I always try to, would be show and tell. That there has to be faith and deeds to your love. You can't just tell. You have to show. You can't just tell people you have faith. You have to show them you have faith. And there's a whole separate message on that. I thought it was going to be part of this, and I started trying to put it in here, but off the Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance. But I believe that that has to be a whole separate message in itself because there's just so much tied in there. That faith has to have, or faith is the substance. It has to be tangibly felt. It's kind of like saying that I have faith that my car will start, but until I go out there and I put the key in the ignition, you can talk up a good storm, can't you? I can say I'm Superman, but until you see me start leaping tall buildings and, you know, flying like an airplane, you know, what will it produce? Or what good is it? It, it needs to be the evidence. Faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence. So, but that's a whole nother message. But in order to catapult us into what I want to share today is that show and tell. It has to be both. That love has to have not just a faith inside, but a deeds that are tangibly and felt on the outside. In the Old Testament, remember it was all about do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts and deeds, 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 do's, 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 don't, 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 right? In the New Testament, then they went to the extreme opposite, and it's all about faith. And you don't have to do anything. It's all about faith. Well, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the parents who tell the toddler who's starting to stand up and start walking, no, slap their little hand, no, slap their little They start reaching for the candle, no, don't do that. They get a little bit older. They start running out in the front yard. And you say, no, you can't play out in the front yard. Play in the backyard. They start running toward the, the oven when you have the oven door open, taking the cookies out. And you say, no, stay away. All they hear is no's, do's, and don'ts, and, you know, can't do this and can't. And then they get a little bit older, and then they start rebelling. Well, why can't I do that? Why can't I do this? So then in the middle between the do's and don'ts and the deeds here, and the faith and it's all about love right in the middle where Jesus came and merged the two together. Why? To prove true love. See, once the child gets old enough, then the love is, I told you, you couldn't run toward the, the oven when the door was open because what happens if you trip and fall? You know? Or I told you you couldn't play out in the front yard because you was getting too close to the road and I love you enough. I don't want to see you get hurt, right? Jesus came to merge the two do's, the don'ts, with the faith together that it, it proves. It's the evidence of that faith. Yes, there's do's and don'ts, but there's also the faith. And the love. And when you merge it together, then that love produces the right dues. Doesn't even focus on the don'ts anymore. That that true love naturally. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, uh, but here's where the church is at still today. 
You either have these pockets of people who swing that it's all about la, 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 do's, 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 don'ts, don'ts, don'ts. Or you have the pockets of people who swing the other way and say, you don't have to, you know, do anything. You know, you just grab your ticket to heaven and it's all done and you just sit back and enjoy life. You don't have to do anything because it's all based on faith. It's all grace and faith. Which grace apart from transformation, grace apart from transformation, a grace that doesn't move you to transformation, to be more like the Son of God, to be more in Him, about Him, live, be holy as I am holy. A grace apart from that is a perverted grace. It's not even a grace you can find in here. Grace empowers me to say no to ungodliness. Grace empowers me to live a godly life. Uh, but all deeds without love, so the church is all in that, all deeds without love are all faith and no love deeds. And see, there it is again, that pendulum that we talked about when we did the standard, the series, the standard, that there's a balance. Jesus is the balance. Jesus is perfect love manifested. In class, in our sit, walk, stand, which remember today is our last day, our last week of class, sit, walk, stand. We've been learning that when we find that our Christian walk becomes a struggle, it's because we're trying to do, 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 don't, don't, don't. And we get tired and we get exasperated and oh, I, I messed up again or oh, I got to do oh, And it becomes a struggle or there's sister so-and-so. Here's a young again. I got to try to put up with her. Hi, how are you? When we feel that there's a struggle in our Christian walk, it's because we're trying to do it in our own works. When we're truly walking in the love of Christ... There's a natural outcome. There, it, there's no struggle to it. it it's kind of like um, you don't walk by an apple tree and hear it going, Apple! Apple! It's not struggling to produce an apple. If it's a healthy apple tree, it will naturally produce fruit that just comes from the healthy tree. But see, too many Christians are going, oh, be good, oh, be good, oh, don't do this, oh, be... That proves that there's a struggle that you're trying to still do Old Testament all on your own. Do and do and don't and don't. Uh, it's you don't not abuse your children because it's against the law. You treat them well because you love them. If you had to withhold your hand all the time because I know I'll go to jail if I beat them the way I want to beat them. There's no love in that. Now, true love does correct. I just mentioned that. You don't go too close to the road. You're going to get hurt. True love corrects. And I know I use this lightly because some people are like, call Child Protective Services. But when my children, there was one child, and I think it was Isaiah, my oldest son, that constantly liked going toward the stove and reaching his hand toward the hot pot or whatever I was cooking. And I kept telling him no, and I'd slap his little hand, and I'd give him the old push and stay back while I'm trying to cook. But he was persistent. So finally, I picked him up, and I held him, and I told him, buddy, hot, hurt, 
out, you know, all the language that he could muster, you know, in his little size. And I turned the stove on. Listen to me. I let it get warm so when I was holding his hand up over it, he could feel it was getting warm. And so as it was getting warm, I'm telling him, it's hot, hot, don't touch, out. You know, I was giving him all I could in his little understanding to realize I was saying no, not because I was trying to keep you from something that you thought was fun, because it will hurt you in the end. That's love. You understand it's not a, you know, a no, 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 because, well, God just is trying to keep me from something I want to do. No, it's a no, 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 because there's so much more. You're not understanding right now. You will. You will understand. You just don't understand right now. But this whole works out of ourself and the struggle with Christian life is just a, a wrong a paradigm. You really got to change the way you're viewing it. It's not a viewing of do's and don'ts. It's a viewing from, again, from the class that we've been going through, a seated place in the heavenlies with Christ. When you say yes to God, remember Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, would you repeat this prayer after me? And that, because that's what we've relinquished, you know, salvation to mean. Just pray this prayer. Here's your ticket. Hold on till Jesus comes now. Because heaven's going to be better than hell, which is here on the earth, right? No, it's a follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus, that's how he called. When we do that, he says we have then been translated, if you want to say it. I know there's, you know, don't go there with. Anyway, you're seated in heavenly realms while you're standing here on earth. Your position with Christ is in heavenly realms. You're seated at the right hand of God in Christ. Jesus' whole prayer in the garden, read it, understand it. It's them in us, Father. Jesus was praying this. Me in them, them in us, us and we are one together. That's what he prayed. And then that all of us would then be one with each other. Why? Because we're all seated on the same throne. For those who have surrendered all, denied self, picked up their cross, and follow after him. There's no struggle to that. It's a walking in authority. And, and I don't want to preach my class because that's where we're at right now is our, our stand. The last week here is our stand. And everything's already been done. Oh, I thought you just said we have to do. Just naturally happens. Because it's been done. Now we just have to walk it out. All right, uh, John 15 says, if you turn to John 21 in faith, that I'll get there. I'm pretty sure I'll get there. I'm hoping that's where we're going to end up is John 21. But in John 15, 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. He said, fruit that will last. Then, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command. Love one another. See how all three of those things are tied to each other? It's not a... 
an or to your life. Just like when Jesus called you, he didn't say, um, just follow me. He had three distinct things that you must do. He said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and, not or, and pick up your cross and follow me. It was all of them. We will bear fruit when we're grafted in with him. Do you understand that? He said that you've been grafted in. That he is the tree. He is the vine. We are the branches. And he said we've been grafted in to a very healthy tree. We don't have to struggle to produce fruit. We have been appointed. We have been chosen. When what? We surrender. Deny self. Surrender. Grafted in, we will naturally produce fruit. The verse when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do as I command. And here's where I'm talking about the paradigm shift. Because I have that natural tendency to, um, I'm a go-getter type of person. I want to get things done. I don't like seeing people sitting around not doing anything because there's always something to do, you know. I've just got that, you know, we got to be doing something, you know, in me. Or, you know, there's a hill to be conquered, you know, give me the flag, I'll go get it. I loved playing King of the Hill in school. You know, the biggest one bully was standing up there, nobody can knock me down. I'm like, give me a job, God got this, right? I, you know, so when I read this verse, those who love me will do as I command. I've preached, I believed for a long time that that meant um, you have to do to prove your love. Now be careful, hold on here. That you can't say, which there are, the Bible does say this, but again, it's in, it's in a balance, it's in the way you see it. But I felt like, you know, do, do, do to earn the love. And I didn't believe that, but that's how I was living it. And that's how I was reading that scripture. Well, if you love me, you'll do what I command. But doesn't it make more sense in, in the context? Remember, whenever I told you, don't ever pluck out scripture and, and stand it by itself and, and then make it mean something different. You have to set it in the context of the scripture and the whole nature of God. Doesn't it make more sense that it, it means if you truly love me, you will naturally do what I command? Yeah. Don't that make more sense? Then if you do what I command, you know, then you'll earn my love. But see, in the Old Testament, that's what it felt like, didn't it? And then in the New Testament, it's like, well, if you love God, you don't even have to do anything. See how you can go from one extreme to the other? And he says, if you can just stay right here, where? In me. In me. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. In love. God is not just loving. He is love. He's perfect love. So when we stay in that love, you won't keep from abusing your children because you don't want to go to jail because you naturally love them. You'll naturally produce fruit when you stay in Christ because you're grafted in him. You're not trying to stand over here in the Old Testament by yourself. Ugh, apple. 
I mean, have you read the fruit of the spirit and then you think I got to produce long suffering patience? You know, I got to produce that. How can I? I'm just that's not me. No, the fruit of the spirit. Oh, well, wait a minute. That means something different. That means I don't have to struggle to produce it. It's already in me when I stay grafted in. You see that there's a difference. We, we've, we've believed so long these simple twists of Scripture that it's changed the way we've been doing our life. And it's not that... I have to be careful. It's not that it was wrong. It could just be that simple childlike, you know, no, no, no for now and you'll understand later. You know? That you've been asking for, you know, a cell phone since you were eight and I'm saying no and I'm saying no and I'm saying no and you get, you know, 16, 17 and you're saying, well, you're just being cruel and me. Why can't I say have a cell phone? Because I know the danger that it would have produced back here. The sin that it would have emerged in your life right here. The total destruction of your pure essence of, you know, a, a sinless, you know, mind right here. If you would have had that in your hand. So me saying no was not being cruel. It was just not an understanding that you had until you got here. And now I understand my daughter over and over and over again in the, you know, worst sin filled lifestyle that she went through, which it was nothing compared to what I want, you know. So I was able to have, did it break my heart? Yes. Did I have compassion? Yes. But I also understood what she was going through. And I kept telling her, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she's, she just couldn't receive it. She didn't know it until she had her daughter. And then she started texting me things like, I think I'm starting to get it. It's like, you're right, because no matter what that child does, it doesn't change your love. Does it break your heart? Yes. But it doesn't. Can that child ever outlove you as a parent? No. No. And they don't get it until. Do you understand that in our Christian walk, we're going to go through things that we don't understand? We don't get to stop, cut ourselves off from the branch and pluck ourselves down and say, well, now I'm not moving until I understand. It's ignorance, rebellion. I mean, we could call that a few things, but it's a, I'm grafted in. I don't have to understand everything. Father, you're saying no for right now, and I trust your heart. Uh, when you truly love, like I'm saying, you will naturally do remember the message is show and tell remember i i've said this a thousand times and i i feel like i'll say it a million more remember when jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was i could almost hear the conversation being more like um okay so there's 10 commandments and 600 and some other laws to even try to uphold the 10 commandments uh i've got energy for about one of them yeah just tell me one thing Please. And I'll try to do that one thing. And he throws out there, actually, he quotes uh, Deuteronomy. Jesus said, um, love. All right, you want one? Love. And, of course, us in our earthly mind, our love that we understand is as long as you're being good to me, as long as you're treating me well, then I will reciprocate that love, right? I'll be good to you. 
But he even he even bashes that one in the head when he says, if you're only good to those who are good to you, what more are you than the average sinner? You're not doing anything different. Because even sinners can go around and be nice to people who are nice to them. But earthly love is not what he is talking about. He was talking about a love that, again, denies self picks up the cross and follows Jesus, which he did actually deny himself and pick up a cross, laid down his life for those while they were still sinners, while we were still spitting and mocking at him. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the love. So he says, you know what? You want one thing that you can do that all the law, all the prophets, all the Old Testament, all the New Testament, everything then will hang, hang, take the whole Bible and you can fulfill it in one. Love. How can I fulfill the whole Bible in one law? He called it one commandment, love. God is love. You know, I love, I mean, if he just said that, though, we would all be okay with the New Testament swing about, then fine, it's all about, God knows my heart. It's all about love, right? That's all I have to do is love God. The hell with everybody else, right? Whoa, wait a minute here. He said, and the second is just like it. Love others. But then he, he put that little hook, right? Yeah, I mean, you ever go fishing and the, you got the hook, but then there's that little barb right here so that they can't pull the hook back out, right? All the fishermen are going, yep, 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 right? That little barb, that's the as yourself part of that commandment. Because you cannot, see, you can love God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and hate yourself. You can. I've done it. I'm there. And I'm sure there's a handful of people here today that are still in that. But the minute he said, and the second is just like it, you have to love others. Ooh, little Barb, as you love yourself. You can't love other people until you can truly love yourself. Because otherwise, it would be a one-sided relationship with God that produces nothing. And if that was all he wanted for us, then why didn't he zap us to heaven the minute we gave our salvation prayer? Then there would be nothing else more for us to do, right? If that was it, if that was the culmination of his whole plan for our life is just that you would love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, then it ends right there. Why keep him on the earth any longer? Please. It's so that we're loving others as we love ourselves. And here's the biggest catch. And again, like I was saying, that, that barb right there. Um, have you ever known any grumpy Christians? Any complaint? I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody. Any complaining Christians that could tell you everything that's wrong with everybody else? 
It's to me, since God has fitted this in my life some while ago now, I mean, all I see is a great big blaring red flashing warning light when people, Christians, start doing that that says you have got a broken love with yourself. You have not truly surrendered to God's love for you. That's why that's the same paradigm. But the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You can't love other people because you can't even love yourself. And it's not that we go over there and we start beating them on the head with the Bible. Straighten up. Stop doing it. Straighten up. Stop doing that. That does not produce love. We have to get them into a place where they're in total reliance, total immersion in God's love that strips away everything else and all the brokenness. Because you know what happens to those people is that, again, over the filter of their life, somebody done them wrong, son, as the old country song says. Somebody done them wrong, and so they put up a wall here. Well, somebody did this to me, and so I can't, you know, trust people here, trust people there. Trust. And they'll sing the songs. Sometimes they'll raise their hands. You know, I love God. I have faith. I'm a Christian. I just don't like anybody else. Because they can't like themselves. They don't love themselves, so they can't love. And that's where we're at. Remember, if it was all about just us loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we'd be zapped out of here the minute we said yes to God. But because we're still here, it's proof that this scripture is still true, that he says, and the second is just like it. Now, our job is to go love others. And he said, don't regard men according to the flesh. You have to look at them as spirit beings. All God's children. What? Even the rapist? Yes. What? Even the heathen sinner? Yes. Because no sin's greater than the other. And without Christ, we were all lost. You are no different, or we're no different than they are. So when they're spitting at you, mocking you, or doing evil things... You know, who are you to snub your nose up at them? He says, regard no man according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. They are God's children. Could you imagine the mama and me if you snubbed your nose to one of my children? I don't care what they did. Right? I mean, come on. The papa inside of you wouldn't rise up and say, I'm sorry, did I just see you mistreat my daughter? God is our father, the father of all. We're all his children. So some are still wandering. So shouldn't our focus be on them? Shouldn't our main concern be for them and not our comfort? You know, I preached that a few weeks ago. We are selfish Christians when we constantly find ourselves in prayer and, and complaining over our circumstances. You know, I, I've had a plethora of crap just happened to me lately and to where it's just, I'm like, of course it happened. You know, the last thing I don't want to share what it was because it's just embarrassing. But anyway, and they said, you know, hey, it's going to cost $1,143 for this one, which I had just gotten over that 
brand new tire, I'm still making payments on it, which that was a sin in itself. But anyway, it's like, well, that new tire means nothing. You have to go buy a new tire, and that's going to be $243, I think is what it was ended up being. I'm like, of course. <laughs> you know, I don't. there's no reason to even complain about it, argue about it, get upset about it. So then two days later, or a day later, I think it was a day later, and this other thing happened, and, you know, go and... And they said, oh, guess what? Your insurance only covers 10% of that, so out of pocket it's going to be $1,143. I'm like, of course it would be. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why? Because this life is not about my comfort. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, crumble. And we got talking about this the other day. Job, all Job's woes came on him. Why? Because God said, I've got one. Have you seen my servant Job? And Satan's like, well, just let me at him. Let me touch his stuff and we'll see how he praises God. You know, we talk a lot about how we need to trust God. But God needs to trust us. He needs to know he can trust you when circumstances don't go your way, that you're still going to stand and believe in him and love him and know he still loves you. He is good or he's not. Which one is it? Is he good all the time? Well, my circumstances sure don't prove it. Does that change him? No. I mean, that's is absurd as the kids going to school and coming back and saying I had a hard day. You're an awful mom because I had a bad day. What? It has nothing to do with what happened to you. I'm good. I'm loving. God needs to be able to trust us that when our circumstances get touched by the enemy that's trying to get you. See, God can't love you. Look at what you're going through. God doesn't care about you or else you wouldn't be experiencing. He needs to be able to trust that you'll still stand. Why? Again, why? Why are you still here? To show. To show your faith. To show others that are struggling. To show the lost that they still can be found. That there's still hope. That's why you're here. You're not here to hang on till Jesus comes. You're here to show and tell. Tell them. I told you I'd get there. John 21. See, now we'll make this a legal meeting because I'm turning to the Bible, right? It's not a legal meeting until I read from the scripture. Got to be all things to all people. We'll sing hymns next, okay? Anyway, it's hard for me to even read because I, for some reason I keep crying. But Kleenex is somewhere. Anyway, I'm going to have to not read. You're going to have to read with me from memory. Sorry, thank you. Just one. Is this one used? Are you sure? They didn't put them back in there? There's no green spots on there? Okay. I know my, I'm all blurry here in my eyes, so I can't 
read the scripture. But I read it enough. It's in here. That this is where Jesus reinstates Peter. Some titles are put there. Um, some title says reinstores Peter's faith. I could more accurately put a title there that says he was Jesus restores Peter's love. You see, Peter was the one, if you don't know the story, that at the Last Supper and Jesus was telling them again that he's going to have to be handed over, he's going to be abused, he's going to be beaten, he's going to have to die on the cross. But don't worry, guys, in three days I'm going to rise again. And Peter stood up and said, never, Lord, we'll never let that happen. Well, basically, you know, you can hear the manly testosterone screaming in that room. We will all fight to the death to save you, Jesus. It will never happen. And he says, get behind me. Get behind me. You're only thinking like men. You're not thinking about God's plan. You're not thinking heavenly minded here. There's a purpose and a reason for which I came. That's why I've been telling you all this time, guys. Come on. Understand that when the time came that Peter denied. He even warned Peter three times, buddy. Three times you're going to deny me before the rooster even crows. And he did just that three times. Rooster crowed. He went, oh, man, and took off running. It was this in the chapter 21 here that that's the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after being resurrected. The first time he appeared in the room, they were all hiding, scared, and Jesus appeared before them. Peace, be still. You know, I don't want to get into, you know, everything that he did there. He showed his disciples that were there, touch here, touch here, touch here. Now, peace, be still. Thomas wasn't there. We all like to point fingers at Thomas just because he wasn't there and he didn't get to touch Jesus the first time. He wasn't the only one. They all got to. So then Jesus appeared again and even went up to Thomas and said, here. But neither the first time nor the second time did he address Peter. At the third time. See, there's always threes, 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 threes. It was at that third time that he needed to restore Peter's love. And he sat down after, you know, great miracle. Of course, Peter gets up and just, you know, he goes back. He's like, guys, I'm out of here. You'll read that after the second time Jesus showed himself. He's like, guys, I'm out of here. I'm going fishing again. And was it four of the disciples, four or five of the disciples said, hey, we'll go with you. And they caught nothing all night long. Jesus shows up on the beach. Hey, guys. Oh, how much did you catch? Like nothing. And then he said like he had said earlier, uh, how about you cast that net on the other side? Peter's like, oh, I've heard that before. And so he brings the whole catch in. They get in. I mean, Peter runs it. Anyway, he's sitting there. They're eating together with the resurrected Christ who's eating with them. That's a message in itself. He's sitting there and he looks at Peter, looks at the disciples sitting around and says, Peter, 
Do you love me more than these? And again, paradigm, I always used to understand that is Peter, do you love me more than these guys love me? Have you ever looked at it like that? Maybe it's just my competitive nature in me that read that verse that way. Yeah, I love you more than they love. Yeah. Right? Doesn't it make more sense? Because of the scripture that says, if you don't love me more than your brothers, more than your mother, more than your father, you're not worthy of me. You're not worthy of being my disciples. You have to love me more than you love others. Because in that order, the first greatest commandment, what came first? Love God. With all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Then love others as yourself. So when Jesus looked at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? He was saying, do you love me more than you love these guys? Because at that time, what did Peter do? He was supposed to be the rock on which the church, right? Spill. He was supposed to be the leader that's leading all those disciples. And yet, who are they following now? They're not following Christ anymore. Where did they go? They went back to fishing. They're following Peter. He's like, Peter, come on. They're following you, which is the way we're supposed to follow me as I follow Christ. But did he follow? No, he went right back to the world. He went right back to what he was doing before he was called. And he called the rest of those to follow him back into the world. Look around at your family. Look around at the friends that you hang with. They're following you. Who are you following? So when he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me more than you love these? Do you care that what they think more than you care what I think? Do you want to just please them or do you want to please me? And each time he said that, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. You see, each time, three times he asked him, do you love me more than you love these? Then you'll do this. It's not just, okay, we're all all right. Then as long as you love me, you have nothing more to do. Let's go. No, he said, if you love me, there is a command that must follow. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. There is a faith and deeds. James says, show me your faith without deeds. You can't prove your faith without deeds. You can't. Same thing with the car and the ignition. You can have all the faith you want that your car is going to start after church whenever it finishes. But until you put your key in the ignition, you can't prove your faith. James's challenge, and I think that was James chapter 2. Did I write it down somewhere? Yeah, James chapter 2. He said, you, you can't have faith without deeds. Faith without deeds is useless and dead. It means nothing. He said, show me, prove me. Prove your faith by or without your deeds. Prove that you have faith without deeds. And he said, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. We have to show and tell. We can't just tell. We have to show. And that will naturally, it only naturally comes out of true love. 
And I think through life and some things that we've been doing or living or even understanding incorrectly, that God needs to, like he did with Peter, recalculate, recalibrate our love again to his love. 1 Corinthians 13, there's the definition of God love. It's a complete deny of self. Complete deny of self and then more interested in the other person. I mean, to make it real simple right there. Well, yeah, but you don't know how he treats me. And we treated Jesus well while he was here? Did he or did he not love us? Despite our actions. That's the love. He says that love will naturally produce faith and deeds together. Naturally. You don't have to strive. You don't have to grunt. You don't have to try to be good. Love. That's it. But not your love. Not earthly love. Not a, not a love that feels like it's a commodity in God that you have to ask for. God, give me your love. Like it's a big picture you have to scoop and then go around and, okay, here's some love for you. Here's some love. Sorry, you're out, Bethany. I'm all out of love here. Girl. That's not true love. Remember, us in him, him in us, he is love. It's his love in us that loves Bethany, that can put up with Jason. No, I mean that can love Jason, not put up with, but can love, that, that regards no one according to flesh, but sees everybody as God's child, an eternal being that has an eternal life somewhere. You know, at the end of that, when Jesus, the first time, what was that the second time? I think it was the first time when Jesus showed up in that room and said, Peace be up. He also gave a command right there. If you forgive others their sins, they will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive others their sin, they won't be forgiven. Did you know he put that in you? And then he also said that if you don't forgive others, or how you forgive others, will be how I forgive you. You see how he wanted to put us together, merge us all together into one, a love that's not based on what we do or don't do. I know this could go on another couple hours, but I'm going to wrap it up. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, Jesus said, he is the one who loves me. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're here for a reason. It's that loving others as ourselves. So I'm going to give you, I want to close. Oh, Lord Jesus. Turn back the clock. No, I'm just kidding. If, if you just stand, I want us to just... I want us to listen to the challenge that James gave. 
and, and like Mike said earlier, it's something I've been preaching and preaching and preaching. You know, we've all been given time, talent, and treasure. All of us. It's everything that everybody's been given. And it's not ours. We possess it. It's mine. It's been given to us by God. And then he says, how will you steward it? How you steward it proves proves your love proves your faith how you steward it proves your faith James's challenge is show me prove to me your faith if we looked at your time your talent and your treasure if I could plug into you right now and and display those three things up there about you would it prove your faith and even Jesus's challenge command to Peter when he recalibrated Peter's love of for him if you truly love me more than anything else more than everyone else more than anything else then you're going to feed my lambs take care of my sheep and feed my sheep there's the proof of your love for me it will naturally come when you truly love me so with that I want us to just bow our heads and Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would search our hearts and our minds as you always do. And show us, each one of us, show us, is, there, is the things in our life, that our life that we're doing, that we're saying, that we're doing, Proving what we're saying. For saying we're a Christian, it's the things that we're doing, truth of that. Show us, show us, show us. Show us.